Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. All right, welcome to this episode of X Chateau. And on this episode, we have a guest. We're going to continue on our series about wine influencers. And this episode's guest is Charlie Fu. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Robert. Peter, I'm glad to be on here. Obviously, you have a pretty decent following on Instagram. Uh, you're a very influential moderator on Wine Berserkers, and we kind of want to jump a little bit into that information, but first get a little bit of background about you. So what's your day job? So I'm an attorney by day and then wine drinker by all other times. And how did you get into wine? So my wife, we were in law school, her classmate's mom is uh, Genevieve at Robert Mondavi. She's like the head of oh. wine directing at Mondavi. Mm-hmm. And they invited us to go taste. And I had no clue about wine. I had zero interest at that time. Um, I was 23. And we went to go taste and she just laid out like it was just so amazing. They did like a five different vintages of Mondavi Reserve back to like the 80s. And then I was like, dude, this is like pretty cool stuff, you know? It's pretty cool. And then we went to Visa Tuvia across the street and I was like, oh, okay, I see the difference between like good wine and bad wine. And then <laughs> from there, it's just kind of like an obsessiveness of learning about it. And then as you learn, you get more and more obsessed about it to the point where, you know, you are where you are. But it's my wife's like one big uh, regret in life was to bring me to that uh, wine tasting because she's not a wine person at all. So she, Oh, she's, she's not very, at all? Not wow. even a little bit. So she's always like, ah, oh, this is what I brought you into. And I tell her all the time, that this is your fault. You did it. Every time you bring a wine home, does she be like, what did you, you bought more wine? You need more wine? Do you get judged? Everything's offsite. So <laughs> there's, wine doesn't come to my house. And how big is your cellar? How much money of hers are you spending on wine? <laughs> uh, we have, uh, like it's about 1,600, 1,700 bottles. So it's not like extravagant, but it's a good size cellar. I'm always refocusing and retuning, getting rid of stuff that I feel like, you know, just, I just don't care for. And I'm always like trying new stuff. So my seller is constantly evolving because I'm not afraid to let go of stuff too. But I usually buy in like six packs, 12 packs. If it's not good, I'll just get rid of it. And so was that Mandavi wine, the wine that was the epiphany? Or was there some other wine down the road that you were like, oh, I got to get serious. Is that the one that bit you or is it something else? Oh, it was totally, yeah. It was an 2003 Mandavi Reserve. I remember it distinctively. My taste is like, this is unlike anything I've had, you know, the depth. I mean, it was a ripe vintage, but for me, when I didn't drink wine, like ripeness was fine. You know, it wasn't obstructive. I know the wine was structured. I I totally remember because afterwards I bought some of it, which is, you know, I bought some from my grandfather, did everything that's just unknown to me to buy wine. And I was so blown away. Yeah, they still make good stuff. I think, especially the old stuff, especially the 80s, early 90s, that stuff is uh, still drinking well. I have a very soft one for their wines. Do you have a favorite wine or wine style? I know that you said you like to experiment, but is there something that you gravitate towards? I mean, I'm really big in Burgundy and Northern Rhone. So those two are the ones that I would generally kind of go forward and go to and do more experimenting, more research into that and I collect them a little deeper. There's established producers, and I buy my established producers every vintage, but I'm always excited to like try new stuff all the time. In drinking wine, do you prefer to drink younger or older wine? A mix. I have no problem drinking younger wine. I have no problem drinking older wine. I think with Burgundy and Rhone now, with like 
climate change and better winemaking, you're getting cleaner wines younger. Because before, like 10 years ago, you know, you try to open like an 05, 06, and you're like, oh, this stuff is hard. Some of it's rustic. You have to wait so long for it to open. But now like 16, 17, they're so pure. The fruit is so clean on these wines because the winemaking is so clean now. They're so modern. And the fruit the fruit set is riper and prettier. You know, it's... Uh, when we were in Burgundy last year, we were talking about this with the, a prominent winemaker. And I was like, is it just climate change? And he's like, no, it's... Climate change is one thing. It might bring like Bourgogne and village wines up because it gives it that brightness, but it's just sharing of knowledge and modern technology, just making wine cleaner and better. I mean, it's stuff that Napa's been doing for like a decade. For sure. In Bordeaux and across, across the world, communication technology. So, you know, you've developed a, a decent Instagram profile and, and presence what got you started posting on Instagram? I used to just post a lot of photos of my dog. <laughs> and I did then, too. <laughs> like, yeah. And then suddenly I was posting some food, and then suddenly I was posting wine. And then my wife was like, I'm tired of looking at your wine photos on Instagram. <laughs> and so I, I separated my Instagram, and I made it really distinct where I would talk about food, my family, my dog, whatever, and one Instagram private Instagram and then I made the wine one public and I just went full board just said I'm just going to talk about wine that's it there'll be no distractions other than wine that really changed it because initially like people okay cool you know you know Charlie likes wine and stuff but then it became more concentrated and focused I was following you way before you were following me I noticed that you were a drinking a lot of good wine but you actually had a lot of thoughtfulness on your commentary about like you weren't afraid to like even if it was an expensive wine to say something bad about it or say like yeah this wasn't doing it or this vintage wasn't that great you were very candid i try to be candid i I think a lot of times like instagram is too nice and that was kind of like some of my friends always come to like oh people that don't know me they they look at the profile and like this guy's very candid i remember one of my friends got asked like is charlie a dick like in real life and i was like why because he's so like critical and brutally honest about wine and stuff i said but that's what you want right you don't want me to sugarcoat it because it's not like you know if i'm recommending the wine to you you should want to drink it but if i say it's not good it's because i stand by my opinion about it not being good and no one should be offended i mean the winemaker might be offended but (laughs) no one else should be offended like you know there are people that i had a friend that unfollowed me on instagram because i just did not like the wine he brought like every time he'd bring wine, I just did not like it. And um, I was like, it's not your fault. It's just that period of time that this particular winemaker you keep bringing just was not making good wine. Now they're making insanely great wine. But you just have to know, like, I'm going to be critical about it. It's nothing to do with you. But, you know. Except you have no taste. Was that the subtext? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why he unfollowed you. Yeah, you're a label whore. That's what it is. So tell me a little bit about the people who follow you. Like, obviously, you you seem like you like numbers and data. Are you looking into, like, who's following you, like, age range, gender, location? Or, I mean, like, what's what's the Charlie Fu follower look like? I don't really pay attention to it. Every now and then I'll look and just see, you know, what the follower account is. But I don't really pay attention to who's following me. Like, sometimes I don't follow someone back for a long time just because I don't know who they are. Like, once I start talking to someone like you, Robert, I just follow you instantly. I just want to talk to people that are serious about wine, that want to talk about wine. You know, like, so much of Instagram wine is, like, bullshit. 
it's people posing with wine bottles, chugging wine, and just not talking about wine. It's like being in the prettiest place at the prettiest time. And I'm sure Peter knows being in all the Napa wine stuff, like there's just a bunch of wine influencers that all they want to do is just take pretty photos and you know talk about wine, not in a serious manner. And maybe that's because I've been on Wine Berserkers and like Wine Advocate, the forums for so long. All we want to do is talk about wine seriously. You know, there's no surface level stuff because the surface level stuff is not worth talking about. Yeah, there's definitely different categories of people. So you're on Instagram. Are you on other social platforms? You obviously Wine Berserkers. So it's mostly Wine Berserkers for social media. I am on Twitter, but my Twitter is literally just MBA talk. I only go on Twitter for MBA. So it's just, <laughs> if you see me for wine, don't follow me on Twitter unless you want basketball stuff. But Wine Berserkers is where the content really is. Okay, so Wine Berserkers is where your serious content is and, and sort of Instagram is like the light version of that. Is that how you would, you know, the more graphic version? Instagram, I, I put all my notes on Instagram. Before I used to do everything to Seller Tracker and then I post on Wine Berserkers. Now it's so easy to just post notes on Instagram and then I'll slowly move it to Seller Tracker. And sometimes if it's a cool tasting, I'll post on Wine Berserkers. But there's more discussion on Wine Berserkers. If I post a note, there's discussion about different vintages, flavor profiles, whatever. On Instagram, it's kind of one and done. You post it and then the next day you have a new post and it just moves on to a new post. It's mostly like, oh my God, cool bottle, you know, wine glass, you know, flame. Wine berserkers, it's, you know, you post a note and people really want to talk about it. Interesting. Okay. And then, ter- I know, right, exactly. Yeah. So, how many hours a week do you think you spend between Instagram and Wine Berserkers and Seller Truck? Like, what's that time commitment like for you? I don't think it's that much. Like, a Wine Berserkers is more like a job now just to ma- maintain it with the other two moderators, Todd French and Jorge Enriquez, that I don't find as much enjoyment in like interacting on it. Because it's like, you know, every move we make is criticized because we are the moderators on it. But on Instagram, like wine Instagram, I'll do my post. I'll refer back to it. I'll reply to comments and that's about it. It's bad, but I just don't really comment on other people's wine stuff. I just, I just don't have the time to do it. But when it comes to like wine, like knowledge and trying to understand wine, most of the time spent is on wine berserkers. I'd say it's about an hour a day. Okay, it's not bad. So uh, one of the areas that we interacted with, you did this wine charity auction, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why you did it, what you were raising charity for, and and kind of the results, because I thought it was pretty impressive. Yeah, so it was in the midst of the initial protests for you know police brutality, social equality, and I was talking to my friend and he was my friend Cameron Hughes and he was saying that he saw the protest walk by his apartment and he felt so bad that he didn't go out to go do it. And he said, next time I'm going to go do it. And I said, I don't know. I can't do that. I don't know. There's nothing around me in the suburbs, but how can we do it differently? And I said, how about like, I was thinking, why don't I just post some lineup and for, you know, as a donation and then people could buy raffle tickets basically and we'll see what we can do. And he offered a great wine. And then, you know, Robert generously offered wine. And it just kind of exploded. Like, if we have a platform that can reach a certain demographic that is capable of donating and donating strongly, I think we should use it. I mean, 
we can't just rely on the youth or just you know the average person to donate money all the time wine collectors live in this like weird bubble where their education level the ethnicity maybe income level where they don't have to deal with the same stuff that everyone else is dealing with and i can never say that even as a minority but as a chinese person i can't say i've ever dealt with having social inequality among authority figures but you know we got to take a stand somewhere and if the best way we can take a stand is with our wallets and our sellers why not you know why not why not give out with that you know what's five hundred dollars to someone that has a seller worth a million dollars, you know, what's a thousand dollars to them? What's them to donate a bottle, generously donate a 600, 700, $800 bottle of wine when they have 5,000 bottles. And to us, it's not much, you know, we're not actually giving much. We really are not giving much, but the impact that you donate is so huge. So I purposely picked the NAACP legal defense fund just because as an attorney, I appreciate the work they do and the work they do has broad defining impact. And also I picked them because I feel like they are the least of not least partial charity to donate to during these times. Cause my fear was that I wanted as many people to donate as possible. And a lot of the white community is conservative and I wanted to pick a charity that I felt like would not turn people away, but still benefit the cause. Unfortunately, based on the people that I know that donated, it generally was still more of the liberal side of people donating because I had objections to the NAACP from some conservative friends. So maybe I could have gone more aggressive and done more grassroots charities, but you know, something that's big and well-known, it's easy to get people to to donate to because they know the history behind it. They don't have to question it. They don't have to do research into it. They just know that it's going to go to a good cause. Everyone did. I, I was so surprised. You know, we raised $60,000 in 42 hours, which is crazy to me. And I couldn't believe that we were able to do it. I didn't do it alone. Everyone else did it. And it's amazing. Uh, I, hopefully, you know, we impacted something, helped somewhere, you know, hired some more lawyers gave them the ability to file more briefs. I mean, all this stuff costs money. And hopefully the $60,000, probably more than $60,000 because ended up a bunch of people had like matches and stuff like Robert, you mentioned yours had an employer match. Yep. Probably closer to like $70,000 in the end. And that's super cool. And that was all on Instagram or was it also through Wine Berserkers? So it was Wine Berserkers, Instagram, a little bit of Reddit and Facebook. The bulk of the donations did come from wine berserkers. I, I will, you know, give the props up, like the really big donations. Instagram came out really well too. The Facebook wine group I'm part of really came out. I mean, it was everyone. Everyone realized the cause that it's for. They understood the moment and they knew that if they couldn't do anything else, they can at least open their pocketbooks and maybe they'll win some cool wine. You know, a lot of people want cool stuff. Like the guy that won the DRC doesn't drink wine over $30 a bottle. But when he first heard about me doing this, he like broadcasted it everywhere, as many places as possible to all his friends. Like, hey, do this. You got to donate. It's really cool cause you with some cool wine. So I was super happy that he won it and he gets experience that wine and his intentions were heartfelt. And so, you know, good karma comes back. 
a friend tagged me that follows you. And he was like, you got to repost this and get involved in this. And I was like, okay. So I gave money right away. And then I was just like, okay, let's see if Charlie wants any of my wines. I didn't, I didn't think I was contributing anything to the quality of some of those bottles, but uh, it was definitely something that I was, I, I was trying to use the people that were following me to create some awareness as well. I mean, I think, I think you definitely rallied a wide group of people with that. I'll tell you, Robert, your wine, I actually got double the money from because the person that picked your wine said, you know what? Go raise more money with this bottle of wine. So we raised another $500. And then oh. the person that did get it from you, that will get it from you, they ended up donating another a group, donated an extra $500. So it's pretty awesome. Like just like small things, awesome. you, know, you, you never know. You're like, oh, I don't think this is good enough. Your bottle raised you know, let's say your bottles were $500, you raise $1,000 just, and you didn't think it was good enough, but it was good enough. And it was a lot, $1,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, no, no, it made, you made me feel better now. <laughs> let's talk about Wine Berserkers then. Can you maybe give a brief, like high level, like for those who don't know, because we have people listening all over, what is Wine Berserkers and how it was started? So... Back in the day, everybody was on the Robert Parker web forum. That was like the high-level wine discussion. You know, every wine producer from all over the world, collectors, they were all there. They had a a little website issue where they became a little too uh, strict on what people were posting. So my friend Todd French decided he was going to start a new wine board, which was Wine Berserkers. And everyone just ended up migrating there. And now Wine Berserkers is like the premier place for wine discussion on the internet. Like Peter said, like producers go, uh, retailers go, consumers, collectors. It sometimes is a little intimidating for the normal drinker to hop on there because they're very strong personalities with, you know, lots of wine experience that kind of like are strict on what they believe in. But once you stay there, like the knowledge base is so incredible. There is not a wine that was that has been drunk for any vintage that someone on that board has not consumed. There hasn't been a complaint about some form of wine buying that hasn't occurred on that board. Peter knows, like there's if there's a complaint, a producer will know instantly. And respond. And respond, exactly. They'll know instantly and respond. Um, they'll change the way they do things. Like there was a, a big thread about how uh, I think Bedrock, Bedrock was using these like styrofoam shippers that just were so brittle. And the people kept complaining, said, you're killing the environment and you have these, these styrofoam shippers that just disintegrate when we use it. And within like two months, they changed to pulp shippers. The impact, non-collectors don't know what wine berserkers is. But once you get into it, you realize how powerful of a voice that form is. Typically for the good, it tends to be hypercritical. But, you know, when you have a bunch of well-off people that have large collections that have been drinking for a long time, they have strong opinions and they have educated opinions. You know, it, it scares some people away, but it's this absolute treasure trove of knowledge. And any wine drinker that is truly serious about learning about wine needs to go to wine berserkers to learn about wine. There's no better database anywhere on the internet to learn about wine other than wine berserkers. Cause you go to a critic's website, you get one point of view. You want wine berserkers, you get like 20 people commenting on one wine and everyone would give their opinions on why they like what wine. Every month I learn about a new producer on wine berserkers and 
it's from people I trust. Like I, I've known them for so long, reading what they drink and know that I can buy this wine and be satisfied. And how many people are on Wine Berserkers? It's ever changing, but we have 27,698 total users on Wine Berserkers. We have almost 3 million posts. So we're going to get to 3 million posts very soon. And how many of those 27,000 are, would you call active? Like, are there once a week or once a month or something? So right now, at this very moment, there are 750 users on Wine Berserkers right now. So that's a pretty hefty amount. We're we're looking at 10.46 p.m. The most we've ever had online at one time is 2,392, which is, that's all on at the same exact time. And that was for our annual Berserker Fest, Berserker Day, where we celebrate the anniversary of the website and producers from all over sell their wine and just it's a time of celebration it's really fun um like some wineries will balance their like budget based on this day because they sell so much wine is it wine at a special price or what's the what are the guidelines for a berserker day you can offer whatever you want but usually people offer at a special price you know There'll be cool stuff that everyone wants to drink and they'll sell it for a great price. Like I love Walter Scott winery in Oregon and they did this thing where they had this special label that they just weren't selling to anyone that they made as a special blend with um, McClintock, with McClintock, the master song, well, former master song. Right. Um, and they didn't sell it and they decided, you know what, this is a special thing for Berserker, we're going to sell it at $25 a bottle. And it sold out in like three hours. And it was inc- the wine is incredible. It tastes like a $7,500 bottle of white burgundy. And it's a $25 Chardonnay from Oregon. But it's stuff like that. Like people bust out like all kinds of specials. I did specials. I did like caviar specials to sell for our caviar brand. Liquid Farm, like you basically put them on the map because of Berserker Day because they offered their wine one time. And uh, I think that was, I think it was Liquid Farm. And, it, and they were saying that they basically, and then they had trouble keeping up with demand. They're like, we're, we're a small winery. Like like the impact of wine berserkers catching on, trying it from uh, from the Berserker Day. And then the follow-up orders, they just said like, we got to figure out how to increase production. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just wine. Like, you know, the Glassell glasses, the wine glasses, mm-hmm. Glassell, they sell so much through Berserker Day. I'm not privy to give you guys numbers, but... They sold a lot. Uh, Brian Flannery, the, the the beef purveyor, sells so much beef during this period of time. You can change a winery's fortune on wine preservers for these things. And fortunately, we've changed fortunes for good. Not every winery catches on immediately. I don't know what causes people to want to buy a certain wine or a certain winery whose voice matters. But, you know. As much criticism as the website gets for being strong-headed, it's done a really good job putting wineries on the map that people did not know about previously. So I was looking up your stats. Like It was very interesting at the bottom of your profile. It's like 31,000 posts, which is a crazy number. Then it said 1.08% of all posts and an average of 7.56 posts per day. And I was like, is that just from you being a moderator or is that just, is that like pre you because that your road to becoming a moderator <laughs> i post very little now i post maybe three four posts a day 
And most of it is telling people to like, you know, shut up and stop being dicks. Um, <laughs> but before, like, oh, before I was posting so much, it was, my average just dropped down in the last few years. So I think at some point it was like 12 posts a day or something like that. But, you know, as an attorney, I'm always in front of a computer, so it's easy to just reply to stuff. And that's that's your Interesting. role as a moderator has reduced the number of posts. What what exactly do you do as a moderator? So we have some strict guidelines on line berserkers because we want to keep things transparent as possible because there's a lot of bad actors that come on to just promote because they know it's a really strong platform to promote wine. So we make sure that everyone that's in the business declares they're in the business. Um, if people are promoting wine that we know that they sell without disclosing that they sell it, we try to get them you know, on board. We require everyone to put their real name onto the board so we know you know who you're dealing with. Um, we assume it makes people more cordial, but it's not always the case. But that's another moderator thing is we just try to try as little as possible to moderate and keep people civil. We don't want to be heavy-handed. I'm accused of being a little more heavy-handed. We try to keep a light touch with moderation, but we still have to because we try to keep politics out. We have a special forum just for politics, so you can go you know, unleash all your political thought into one forum. But we have some trouble where it leaks out, and a lot of people don't want to see it. You know? So we have to really regulate that too. So you talked about businesses having their own accounts. That's the Berserkers business accounts? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So we have a, a subscription, a service, an like annual service that businesses can advertise and they can promote on Wine Berserkers. And that kind of helps us with the server fees because we host pictures, we host everything on the website and there's so much traffic at any given time. So it helps us with the data costs. Um, Todd, the creator and the owner, I mean, this is all out of his own pocket. You know, there are years where he's in the red, there are years he's in the black. It all balances out at the end. But, you know, these businesses being able to promote themselves also helps the website sustain itself. I just joined not that long ago. I noticed the Grand Crew is more of like a, a way to help cover some of those costs, basically like donations. And, and you get a couple extra little privileges in terms of like footers and stuff like that. Right. So we have the Grand Crew Crew, and it's uh, an annual subscription. We don't like to use the word term donation because it's not a charity. Uh, annual subscription. So there's no ads. You don't get ads. Um, you get priority access to Berserker Day. You can put little blurbs on your avatar and stuff. Um, just little, like, you know, fun little things. And we have a good, good group of people that, you know, subscribe to it. Um, which is really helpful because then, you know, no one wants to see ads. If you can pay like 60 bucks to just get rid of ads for a year, plenty of people will do it. And with the people in Berserkers, what's the general makeup of that audience? Is it, what's the age range? Is it male, female, the kind of demographics of Berserker crowd? It's mostly male, mostly male. I would say the general age range, the median age is probably in the late 40s, early 50s. And it's mostly serious collectors, well-educated, uh, higher income users. I mean, it's, it runs the gamut. There's from all over. I'm just talking kind of the median. But, you know, that, that kind of gives you an idea of where the website is. It's very standard luxury wine 
buyer collector. A lot of the wineries I've been at or that I've consulted for average age is like 50, 51, right? And male mostly, but yeah. So I was curious in terms of if you were to recommend how wineries should really, like as a moderator, as, as a consumer, what do you think the best way for wineries to leverage something like Wine Berserkers is? Like, is it to actually just join into the community or, I mean, obviously, and, and, be, and register as a business or is it is it something else? Should they, like, what is like, what would, what would the pro tips be if, if you were to say, hey, I'm a young winery, how should I leverage this platform? Join the community. Join the community. Don't be afraid to speak your, speak your mind and be willing to educate on your wine. We don't have enough producers that want to join because they're afraid of getting consumers angry and alienating production. But we have some great, like Larry Schaefer from Tercero in Santa Barbara is a very active member. And his, his voice is very honest and forthright and people like it and people buy his wine, you know, through wine berserkers. Marcus Goodfellow from Oregon, he posts on all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with his wine. You know, he's a big Burgundy guy, so he'll post on Burgundy. He'll talk about, you know, farming and the impact of farming in different lands. And it's such, it's high level stuff, but it's stuff that people appreciate. And they see that you are knowledgeable. And if you're knowledgeable, that must mean your wine is pretty decent too. And his wines, Marcus's wines are fantastic. I think his Pinots are just out of this world. But, you know, that draws people too. And as the community gets around that person, it just amplifies. The community keeps amplifying that brand. And until the point where it's a must-buy. It's a must-buy at any point. Sometimes, you know, the wineries can take off without the winery participation. That happens, you know. But if wineries participate, we see good things. Always. It's always a good thing when they participate, as long as, you know, they're not abrasive, as long as they're good people, it's good results for them. So stepping out of Wine Berserkers a little bit, so you have this like deep knowledge base in Wine Berserkers and you have like a, then you obviously have Seller Tracker, then you have this kind of like light, you know, much more visual representation in Instagram. What I like about Wine Berserkers is that is the depth of knowledge that you spoke about, but Sometimes it's, as you said, is intimidating. So is there, are there ways that you can leverage these other platforms to tease that out or so that it, that can start to spread in other areas? Because I feel like, like I try at least on my post on Instagram to try to be a little bit more wine savvy and give a lot more background information than a lot of people who just post a pick in some, a couple hashtags. And I find that works for me, but it's obviously I'm not the majority of people in terms of a lot of people are just doing more like lifestyle stuff. So I was just wondering how could a platform like Wine Berserkers kind of branch out and kind of like seed into these other platforms or is that even a consideration? It's not necessarily a consideration because a lot of the people on Wine Berserkers are not on Instagram. Like you said, like I said previously, Wine Berserkers is intimidating for people. A lot of Instagram is not really looking for high level super geeky stuff. There's there's plenty. There are plenty of people on Instagram that are geeky, super knowledgeable. And they'll make their way over to Wine Berserkers. They know Wine Berserkers. Most of them know it by now. You can leverage it, you know, like us just talking now, people are going to go, oh, okay, you know, maybe I'll check out Wine Berserkers and see what it is. Maybe one out of 20 people will latch on and really read about it and join the community. But the anyone that takes a look will at least learn something. 
So as a moderator on Wine Berserkers, as someone with an Instagram account with quite a few followers, do wine brands, either wineries or retailers, often reach out to you and try to get you to do promotions or other things like that? They do. They do. I always decline. I always say I'm not a wine influencer. I, I like the wine I like. If it's good, I'll say it's good. If it's bad, I'll say it's bad. A producer just messaged me like three weeks ago on Instagram and said, hey, we'd like to send you some wine and we'd like to get your comment on it, you know, as a wine influencer. I told him, I said, I'm not a wine influencer. If you send me the wine, I'm going to be critical. And I don't know if that's what you want, but I would happily buy your wine. If you want to offer me a sampler pack of stuff that's really cool to try, I'm happy to buy it. And if it's good, I will positively discuss your wine. And I didn't get a reply back. <laughs> so yeah, I think they, I think a lot of the brands that reach out just want free publicity. And I just, I have no interest in it. I, most of the stuff reaching out to me is not wine I want to drink to begin with. So if they do reach out and I'm interested and I offer back my opinion that I'm happy to buy your wine and I want to try it, I hope they accept. I mean, you know, there's producers that have told me that, you know, my words have basically made it, you know, put them on the map, but I'm not getting it for free. I'm buying it. I'm buying, I'm just like a normal person buying wine and giving my opinion on the wine. I hate anyone to think that I get any wine for free and my opinion is tarnished because my wine is free. And I did have an issue with that on Wine Berserkers where one of my really good friends is a wine retailer and another wine retailer accused us of trying to promote a wine so that my friend could sell the wine, which is so far from the truth. So absolutely far from the truth. And so, you know, everything I try to be as honest as possible. So it's, it's kind of tough, but I think people know that I'm not taking free stuff. I'm not shilling. If I talk about it, it's because I genuinely like the wine. You haven't got on Aubert de Villain's, uh free wine list yet? No, my direct DRC allocation is not quite there yet. <laughs> What's his nephew's name? Uh, Bernard, I think. I annoyed the crap out of him one time at a at a tasting. They had just leased the parcel from Cortard Charlemagne from Winter um, de Martre. And I was like, oh, you know, what do you think is going to change now that you guys have bought this Cortard Charlemagne? He's like, no, I didn't buy it. I was like, whoa. It's like, we just we just leased it. I said, okay, dude, like, don't, don't buy it off my neck for like the wrong terminology you're farming it you're bottling it yeah. you're <laughs> farming it and you're bottling it that's yeah. pretty much the same thing as owning it right. you don't have a piece of paper that says you own it yeah. yeah i want to get on that free drc list as well peter i think as long as you're up front and tell people that you're gonna if they're gonna give you a sample that you're gonna be critical and if they're okay with that you know i don't know that the free i think most people who review wines get them for free. Like, I mean, instead, like, you don't think James actually rolls in and buys all his wines. I think the wine advocate policy is if they drink a bottle of wine, it has to be purchased. That's what William Kelly mentioned to me. That if they samples, like barrel samples and stuff, and that that winery is open okay. at the winery, obviously that's not a charge. But if they review something that gets sent to them, they have, they'll buy it. They won't review stuff that just gets sent. Okay. I don't, I don't think that's the case for most of the others. Yeah. There's a few that just take blind submissions. Yeah. So in terms of other, like uh, kind of like where you see things going, like in terms of like the overall like wine 
knowledge base on the internet and wine influencers. What do you think is a lasting trend that you're seeing, especially with factoring in that everything's kind of going digital now uh, because of COVID? And what do you think is something that's going to fizzle and fade away? I don't think this like Zoom Zoom seminar thing will sustain. It was fun to begin with, but people's attention spans are only so long. Uh, it's a really cool way to connect with the wineries. I think it's such an awesome way to like hear in-depth stuff from a winery, but people's attention span to uniqueness is only so much. And it's a unique concept, but I don't think that it's a long-term concept uh, as much as I would like it to be. Because as we've noted on Wine Berserkers, you know, the, our attendance rate has lowered in, in these tastings with producers. I'm sure, Robert, I mean, you do stuff with producers all the time. And then you can see yourself like the attendance rate, you know, it's sometimes there's oversaturation. Oh, it's definitely oversaturated. And it, it varies greatly based on the person. It also matters, like, if you have a charming person who interacts, like, they just kind of keep people on. And, and you know, I did one with Maggie Harrison and Tika Terra, and it was like a steady flow of people. Laura Catano, people just kept joining and, and not leaving. And so they vary greatly. But what's interesting about, I think, those Instagram lives and, and Facebook ones that I've seen a bunch of brands do is that those stay. And those are those have great replay value or can be great knowledge if people don't want to read blogs and blogs of, of information, if they parse in for, if they learn in a different way. I think the Zoom ones is that nobody's really saving them and then kind of like marketing them afterwards. Like it's, it's really an ephemeral moment. And if you didn't join it live, you kind of missed out. Yeah, so we do save them. People ask for it. We have a YouTube channel full of the ones on Wine Berserkers. But I think the replay is pretty low. I mean, unless you're in the moment, you really want to sit for an hour, you know, listening to stuff and listening to people ask questions. You probably don't. Maybe we can put it into a podcast, like an audio stream, so people consume yeah. it, consume it differently. Because people will consume podcasts much more than they'll consume video content. At least personally, myself, like if you send me a nine minute video, I'm not going to watch a nine minute video. You send me a 60 minute podcast, there's a high likelihood I'll listen to all 60 minutes of it. It's just Especially easier. when you're allowed to commute to work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think if we can transfer these things to like podcasts and just straight audio subscriptions, I think they'd have far longer longevity, just education basis. Just like, you know, Levy Dalton does his podcast and you guys do your podcast. Podcast consumption is so easy now. And everyone yeah. wants to do it. And that's the thing that'll definitely last. Is that your trend? Yeah. I think you're going to see the wine community grow on Instagram in seriousness. I already feel like there's a trend toward more serious talk on Instagram. Because initially, like people were like, oh, go to those other apps like Viviano or whatever it's called for more serious wine talk and with your pictures. And now everyone's just kind of consolidated to Instagram. And I feel like before when everything was surface level, like Peter says, just hashtags. Now there's actually discussion, you know, and there's talk. Even if it's just one-sided, you or you, the poster, are the only one talking about it. That's still someone trying to comprehend what's going on and then putting it out into the world for knowledge. That leads to a smarter consumer base of collectors. And then that leads to additional consumption of all media, whether it be wine berserkers, whether it be a podcast, whether it be videos. If you can link people, a casual consumer in, in the most casual way possible, it'll be very helpful. And I think Instagram is that thing. Instagram is able to capture a casual consumer and then bring them into the depths of it. Because it's not only just an education platform, it's a social platform. 
and you'll you know message people on there that you think are more knowledgeable than you and they'll educate you who and you in then trickle down to everything else and i don't think anything else is like instagram and i think instagram's just going to get bigger in the Y community as time goes on yeah that's interesting i actually completely agree with the trend i think there are people who don't consider themselves wine geeks or wine enthusiasts but enjoy wine and they like to hear something and so every time someone follows me i click on their profile if I, assuming i'm awake when they follow me and i check them out and most times like they have it's it's just average joe and and they have a whole bunch of different things from their kids their dog if their profile is public um that you can see and maybe there's a food pick or a, a wine pick but it's uh yeah but people are clearly not following me for my pretty face so I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming they're coming for the content. Awesome. Those are some great insights, Charlie. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you guys. No, thank you guys for having me on. It's great to talk to you. I love talking to people and just shooting the shit about wine and the wine world in general. So one of the great things about wine brings people together. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers.